Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Here's the vortex for the week. One day I'm going to accumulate these little vorts into a, a little book, and I'm calling it the Vortex Weekly Thoughts by Selwyn. So here's the one for this week on Parashat Vayishlach. This is the parasha where Yaakov is the epicenter. We're seeing him evolve and develop as a human being. And uh, I also want to dedicate this week's parasha to late Jack Plax, whose name was Yaakov, obviously, and for whom almost everything in the parasha resonates as a reflection of his character. So I want you to keep that in mind. First of all, as an introduction and linking back to last week, I did say that uh, the rabbis wonder what the ladder was in last week's dream. And uh, late Jack Plax died between two dreams of his namesake, Yaakov. Last week was the ladder, and this week is the struggle with Yisrael. I want to deal with both very briefly. Last week, we had the ladder. The ladder was rooted on the ground, and its top was in the heavens, and angels were going uh, up and down. I gave you one explanation last week. I want to give you another one this week. As I said at the Hesped, uh, at the um, prayers, uh, Jack Plax was a ladder. He had his feet rooted on the ground in the physical and the material and uh, the real world, but his head was in the clouds in the sense of being a spiritual and principled and ethic, ethical and erlich yid. And uh, he uh, sent up the angels from the most basic levels, uh, brought, brought the most basic stuff up to elevation and brought down to all of us uh, a genuine, sweet, soft, kind, sincere, honest approach to life that bypassed all the the, the dinim, min hagim, and, and, and ritual, and got him straight up to a very, very, very special place, as everyone acknowledged. Um, this week, um, basically, uh, we know that um, Yaakov uh, leaves, he's on the way, escaping from his brother. It's the parsha where Yaakov, on the run from Lavan and returning to Israel, uh, meets up with his brother Esav after 20 years. Yaakov was very uh, apprehensive about the meeting because Esav had uh, threatened to kill him. And uh, Yaakov prepared to meet, meet Esav in three ways. Firstly, he prepared a gift to appease him. He prepared a prayer to Hashem to give him strength. And he also divided up his group into two, which one might think of as the first hedging strategy, so that if half was wiped out, the other half would survive and his whole family wouldn't go. The Hasidim say that that's the reason we have a diaspora. God spread the Jews out so that we wouldn't all be destroyed at the same time. And uh, we all know that the Holocaust uh, happened only in Europe, so we understand the benefit of, of that. And the idea that, you know, as I always tell people, everybody in life has a plan A, but smart people understand there are many other letters of the alphabet. And here you see he has plan A, plan B, and plan C. I think we have to go through life prepared. We don't really know what's going to happen. And I always told people along the way that, you know, hope is a feeling, not a strategy. And to be prepared, I think, is the, is the Jewish way. Of course, we have faith in the end, but only after we've done the necessary preparations. Yaakov lets Esav know how abundantly wealthy he is and also tells him that he lived in Lavan Garti. I lived with Lavan. And the word Garti has the same letters as the word Taryag, and Rashi says that what he's saying is, I lived with Lavan and I observed all the Tariag mitzvot, the 613 mitzvot. In other words, I lived in an alien culture and I remained truly Jewish. And of course, all of us need to learn that lesson. After Yaakov has told Esav about his immense wealth, 
he then um, talks to God and says, Katonti mikol hachasadim o mikol haimet, a beautiful song uh, by, uh, to put to music by Jonathan Razel, where, uh, where Yaakov says, I'm unworthy of all the kindness and the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. Um, anyway, so uh, we have such a powerful lesson over here. You know, a, a man who has everything, and the more he has, the more humble he is, the more grateful he is, the more undeserving he feels. I think it's a standard for all of us. I truly do. It is reported that Rav, one of the great commentators, has said, Talmud Chafim should have one-eighth of an eighth of arrogance. In other words, we should be humble, but there should be a very, very small amount of arrogance if you are a Talmud Chafim. And it's how, how interesting it is that this eighth of an eighth is tied right into the word katonti because it is the eighth parasha. We're reading the eighth parasha in the book of Breshit, and the eighth pasuk uh, is the one that has this word katonti in it. So uh, we see that this katonti is such a powerful statement of humility. Yaakov then has the famous struggle with the angel where they wrestle all night. And in the course of that, at the end, the angel dislocates Yaakov's uh, hip. And to this day, we don't eat the hindquarter. And if we do, the uh, sciatic nerve has to be trabered or removed. And this struggle is the climax of the original struggle between Yaakov and Esau that started off in the womb and has continued ever since and will continue ever since until Mashiach times. Uh, I heard a most wonderful explanation of the, the reason that we don't uh, eat the Gid Hanasheh, we don't eat the sciatic part even to this day, and that is because Yaakov injured himself. But we know that when he finally arrived, he arrived b'shalom, he arrived in peace. And Rashi says, in wholeness in spirit and wholeness in body. In other words, that injury had been healed. And the sign of a healing injury, an injury or a bump or a misfortune in life or anything that doesn't go according to plan, uh, ultimately all of those things get healed. And uh, Yaakov was a great example of that. Um, he came back and he was shalem. And uh, I, I, my prayer for all of us is that we should also be reaching a place of shlemut, of wholeness and all the pains the misfortunes, the bumps along the way, should all end up in healing and, and in wholeness. Yaakov is victorious in this struggle, but before the angel can depart, he extract, uh, Yaakov extracts from him a bracha. And the bracha is that his new name will be Yisrael, probably the most powerful word in the Jewish lexicon, because Yisrael has within it almost everything one needs to be a Jew. It includes the words Shir El, which means the song of God, a song we should always keep in our hearts, Yashar El, which means straight with God, Sar El, which means the agent of God, the officer of God, and Yisrael itself contains the first letters of all the Avot and the Imahot. And if you put the first letters of all of those together, you get the word Yisrael. So it's a very powerful word, and it's a very powerful legacy, as we call ourselves, B'nai Yisrael. It also means he who struggles with God. And I think that is a powerful idea because all of us, in a way, struggle with God to a greater or lesser extent. And that is an authentically Jewish place to be. When he meets uh, Esav, Esav says to him, Yeshli Rav. They finally meet up and uh, he says, Yeshli Rav, which means I have much. And uh, Yaakov says to him, basically, God has blessed me 
and I have hakol. I have kol. In other words, uh, bless me with everything. And all of the avot, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, each have this word kol. We know in the benching we say bakol me kol kol. So the first bakol is for Abraham. He was blessed with bakol. The second one was mikol, that was Yitzchak, and Yaakov was kol. And Yaakov was really saying is, I have everything that I need. But the distinction is not only that the one has a relative, I have much, which means there's much, and then there's more, and there's most, and so on. So it's a relative term. Um, but when you say, I have everything, that's a complete term. So not only um, did, did he say that, but he attributed it to God. God has blessed me, and I have everything. And that inner peace that comes from knowing that you've been blessed and you have everything you need gives you a sense of peace and uh, purpose that uh, can't be matched by materialism and the eager addition uh, of more. Finishing off with two of the perhaps most important lessons of the parsha. First one is that the son of Esav is one of the great Jewish prophets. And so we see that even someone who comes from as bad a home as Ovadia did can remake themselves, reform themselves, and become a great leader of the Jewish people. And finally, we know we say, The time will come when the rescuers, the salvation, will go up and judge the, the mountain of Esav, and God will be the king of the, of the world. That is the messianic time when the, uh, where, the, where the differences between Yaakov and Esav and their descendants will finally be resolved peacefully and the messianic era will be ushered in. And so um, I wish all of us Shabbos where we become, as Yaakov did, Yisrael, as we aspire to become Jews this Shabbat and every day. And where we are, where Shabbat determines, where Yisrael determines who we are, because as Yaakov evolved and developed into Yisrael, he became his full potential. So with that, I wish you all a Shabbat Shalom and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Shabbos.